Sound off for Chesterfield. Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. A man has been shot and critically wounded. There's no trace of the suspect. Your job, find him. Here is Chesterfield's record with smokers, and important to you. No adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfield. That's the report of a doctor who has been examining a group of Chesterfield smokers for a full year and two months as a part of a program supervised by a responsible independent research laboratory. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. First with premium quality. Chesterfield. First choice of young America. And that's from a survey made in 274 colleges and universities. Try Chesterfields today. Chesterfield, regular or king size. They're much milder and best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Sunday, April 26th. It was raining in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Lorman. My name's Friday. I was on my way back to the office, and it was 11.44 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Hi, Frank. Hi. Anybody call? Yeah, Lopey called. Wants to know if he left his overshoes. No, I didn't see him. It's quit raining anyway. What are you doing there? Just a minute, John. What's the scale for? The needle's bent a little. Yeah, what are you doing? Here, weighing my stuff. Your what? Weighing my stuff. Oh, yeah. I guess everybody ought to know what his stuff weighs, huh? Yeah. Let's see. I'm a gun. Better take the bullets out first. What are you doing that for? Boy, I'm separate, Joe. Keep track. Yeah, that's right. Now, the bullets. Uh-huh. Handcuffs. Frank, did anybody ever ask you about all this? And my bullet clip. Look, I'm a member of the club here, too. What's this all about? Pencils. Four? Yeah, press kind of hard. Yeah. Other stuff in my wallet. Change. Keys. Boy, no wonder my feet kill me. What? Six pounds, two and a half ounces. That's what I carry, Joe. Working night's got a flashlight, too. That's good for another pound. You figure that's what makes your feet hurt, huh? Sure. Uh-huh, yeah. Six pounds, two ounces. How much do you weigh, Frank? Any calls? Come on, how much? Joe, I get that all day from Faye. Never thought I'd get it from you. Yeah, it's a hot shot. I'll get it. What do you got? Shooting on East Burendo. 
11.45 p.m., we swung out of the City Hall garage and headed south on Main Street. The streets were still wet after the rain. Code 3, red light and siren. And even with that, driving a fast car is no picnic. You can be wrong at every corner. Big buildings to block off the sound of your siren. Cars to shield the red light from oncoming motorists. It's no fun. There'd been a shooting and we had to get there. As Frank and I swung around the last streetcar on Main Street and picked up Berendo, we heard the police radio operator dispatching ambulance G-13 to the address we were headed for. We didn't know what direction the ambulance would come from, so for the next few blocks we drove with added caution, knowing that our siren would keep us from hearing theirs. Five blocks ahead through the mist, we could see the red lights of a police car parked at the curb. A radio car in the area had gotten the call and answered it immediately. It was 11.52 p.m. when we pulled up in front of 1981 East Berendo. The large house was dark. Two neighborhood women stood in the driveway and directed us to the back of the house where we found the officers from Unit 1A6. We checked with them and got the information that they'd come up with. They suggested that they canvass the immediate area for any information on the assailant. Frank and I went in through the back door of the house. The victim lay on the floor. He was unconscious and bleeding profusely. His head was held in the lap of another man. Are you the doctor? No, sir. We're police officers. The ambulance is on the way here. If I could just stop the bleeding, it's his chest. Do you know who did this? No. Has he been conscious at all since you've been here? Just for a second. Did he say anything? Well, I heard the shot and came right over. He was laying here on the floor right here. Poor guy. Yes, sir. Did he say anything? Help me. That's all he said. Help me. I didn't know what to do. I got this towel from the sink and tried to stop the bleeding. Fist in my handkerchief. That's all I had. Can't do much, but I had to try. I had to keep pressing. That's all I could think of. Pressing, try to stop it. Yes, sir. Do you feel all right, sir? Oh, yes, yes, I'm all right. Got to help him. Here, let me get in there and take care of that. All right, come on, sir. Get under. Okay, got it, Joe. All right. Sure. Come on, sir. Get up. That's all right. You'll handle us. The excitement. Can't seem to get my breath. Something we can get for you? Oh, I'll be all right. I think I'll get a drink of water. I'd rather you wouldn't touch that glass, sir. Huh? Oh, yeah, fingerprints. Well, I can wait. Oh, say, I did touch that towel. Hope it didn't hurt anything. Didn't mean to. No, sir, I don't think so. What's your name? Paul West. I live right next door, right across the driveway, Gray House. Uh-huh. Wonder if you could tell us what happened. Sure, I want to help all I can. I live right next door, and I was the first one here. Anything I can do, I want to help. Yes, sir. I've known Charlie for, oh, I guess it's maybe 40 years. Long time. Charlie, that's the man's name here? Yes, Charles Stahl. How you doing, Frank? That's pretty bad. I don't know. Would you tell us what happened here? Well, it was right after Charlie left my place. That's when I heard the noise. What noise, West? I was out on my porch putting out the cans, getting the boxer ready when I heard the noise. First off, I thought Charlie was doing the same thing, getting the cans ready. Well, what kind of a noise? Well, like he dropped the box. I know now that wasn't it. Uh, Charles, just a minute, boys. Yeah. I think he's coming around. Is he coming too? Is he going to say anything? Who shot him? All right, just a minute. What's his name again? Stahl. Mr. Stahl. Mr. Stahl. Maybe you talk to me. He knows me. We're friends. Let me talk no, to him. No, wait right there, will you, Wes? I just wanted to help. All right, stay right there. Now, Mr. Stahl, we want to help you. Can you tell us who shot you? Hey, what you saying? Is he giving you the name? Hold it, Wes. Just a minute. How about it, Frank? He's dead. Did he say anything? Yeah. Not much help. Ask me not to shoot him again. It was a couple of minutes before midnight when Charles Stahl died in Frank's arms. According to the next-door neighbor, Paul West, the victim was 55 years old. He was not married, and he lived in the big house on Berendo by himself. The ambulance crew returned to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital after making out a DOA report, and the coroner's office was asked to pick up the body. Twelve minutes later, coroner's deputies Maxwell and Martinez arrived. Before the murdered man's body was removed, the crew from the crime lab photographed the scene, and Frank and I signed the property receipt for the money and the personal effects found on the body. 
We asked the crime lab to check a 32 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver found on the floor under the kitchen stove. There was one empty cartridge in the cylinder. We put in a call to gun records, but we found nothing on the gun. A call to R&I on the victim of the shooting turned up nothing. Latent fingerprints found nothing on the murder weapon. The crime lab crew found no footprints in the ground near the house, but they did find several marks of tire tracks and one good impression left in the moist dirt in the alley behind the house. A plaster cast was made of the imprint, and it was returned to the office to be booked as evidence. We checked with the officers in Unit 1A6, but they said that in canvassing the neighborhood, they'd been unable to come up with any new leads. 12.21 a.m., we checked back into the house, and we talked to the neighbor, Paul West. Now, what kind of a job did Stahl have? Owned a print shop, Stahl Press, over on the east side. Was he in business by himself? What do you mean? Well, did he have any partners? No, Charlie owned it right out. Had the pink slip, you might say. Mm -hmm. Can you give us the address? Sure, biggest print shop on the east side. Printed just about everything. Posters, display cards, things like that. He gave me some cards last Christmas. Here, take a look. That's my name, embossed. Yes, sir. Did it himself. Mm -hmm. That's very nice, sir. Uh, can I have that back, please? Oh, sure, here you are. Embossed. Anybody in the shop with him? Any employees? Well, there's the Becker kids, Pete and Alvin. They work in the shop, do they? Yeah, I've been with him. I guess it's been about five years. How's he get along with them, would you know? Fine. I never heard about any trouble. I've been kind of friends of the family. Charlie was pretty fond of them. Did he have any personal enemies, maybe because of the business? No, not that I know of. Uh -huh. How long did you say you've known Stahl? Been about 40 years. We grew up together. I see. His father and mine built these houses at the same time. Charlie and I went to school together. Belonged to the same club. We were soldiers together. Served in the 146th Field Artillery in the war. Was that the last war, sir? Oh, no, the big one. First World War. Oh, I see. Came back and we lived right here, side to side, all this time. We've been friends, Charlie and me. Good friends. You've got to catch the person that did this. You've got to get him. You said earlier that Stahl had been over to your house tonight. Yes, that's right. Did he have any special reason for the visit? Well, he didn't need a reason. Charlie was always welcome. Always. Well, yes, sir, we understand. Of course, tonight's Sunday. We had a game. Sir? Bridge. Always play bridge on Sunday night. Never miss. Well, what time did he get to your house? Same time as always, right after supper. Well, what time's that, sir? Right after 7.30. We were just finishing supper when he came in. Charlie sat down and had dessert and coffee with us. Mm -hmm. Rice pudding with raisins. Charlie had two dishes. Then we started to play bridge. Oh, I see. Now, who else was there? You mean the game? Yeah. Oh, just Rose and Paula. Rose, my wife, and Paula's my daughter. Anything unusual happened tonight? Now, just once. Yeah, what was that? Well... A bit of grand slam in spades and made it. Even with Rose, seven spades. Well, that's not exactly what we mean, Wes. Yeah, pretty unusual. Yes, sir, but did anything happen with Stahl? Sure, he almost hit the ceiling when we made it. Got pretty mad, did he? Sure. Since we've been playing, most he ever did was make a little slam. Mm -hmm. He went right home after that. I guess that's when he went out to empty the cans. Anyway, that's when I heard the noise. That was the shot, sir. It must have been. I didn't know it at the time, but I guess that's what it was. What'd you do after you heard the shot? Well, now, at the time, I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe Charlie had fallen and hurt himself. Mm -hmm. I looked over at his place, but there wasn't any lights on. I went out the curb with a box of cans. Came back, and I didn't see Charlie, so I walked over. I see. I called to him, asked if he was all right. Didn't get no answer, so I came in. Found him right on the floor, where he was when you came in. You're the one who put in the call, is that right? Yeah, I called the operator and told her to get an ambulance right over that Charlie had been shot. Told her to send a policeman. Now, what time was it when Stahl left your house? You oh, remember? it must have been about 11.15 or so. Earlier than usual, we always play almost to midnight. I guess Charlie got miffed about the grand slam I made, and then Paula kidded him about the woman. What woman is that? Oh, it wasn't anything. I went out and looked. Nobody there. Sir? A couple of times, Charlie thought he heard a woman coughing outside the window by his house. I went over at the window, looked out there, but there wasn't anybody there. Well, did you hear this coughing? No, not really. 
After Charlie started talking about it, I thought I did, but when I went out to look, there wasn't anybody there. His imagination, that's all. He was mad because of the slam. Well, did you hear anything at all when you were out and back? Huh? Well, when you went into Stahl's house, did you hear anybody around? A car, maybe? Something like that? No, not a soul. Now, Wes, could somebody have gone out the front of the house when you came in the back? Wouldn't seem it could be. I'd have heard him if they did. Well, then you'd say that whoever shot Stahl wasn't in the house when you went in, is that it? Pretty sure about that. Of course, they might have left before I went in. Sir? Well, I'd already took the box of cans out the front after I heard the noise. If there's anybody in the house, they could have gotten out then. But you didn't see anybody, did you? No, nobody at all. Do you know if Stahl has any relatives in Los Angeles? No. He hasn't, huh? Hadn't got any any place, none at all. Always kind of worried him. Why is that? Well, he used to say he didn't have any folks to leave his things to. The house, print shop. Mm-hmm. He made a will, though. All legal with a seal and all. Official. Used to talk to me about it. I see. You know who the beneficiary was, would you? Not now. What? Well, I knew who it was, but he said he was going to change it. Said he was going to put a new name on. Well, did he say whose? Nope. Just said I'd be surprised. We looked through the victim's desk for the will. In one of the bottom drawers, we found a locked tin box. In a box of paper clips, we found a key that fit. In the top liner of the box, there was a Purple Heart ribbon and an American Victory Medal from the First World War. In the bottom of the box, there were several government bonds and the will. In it, he left the house and the rest of his possessions to a Mrs. Margaret Becker. The print shop and the business, he left to Mrs. Becker's sons, Peter and Alvin. The will was dated three years previously. On a separate piece of paper, we found an address for a Mrs. Margaret Becker, the Lone Star Motel on Sepulveda Boulevard. 12.40 a.m., we affixed the public administrator's seal, which the coroner's deputy had left with us, to the door of the victim's house. We talked with the wife and daughter of the neighbor, Paul West. They confirmed the story he'd given us. On the way to talk to the Becker woman, we stopped and called the office. They checked the name through R&I, but they came up with no identification. We called Sergeant Jay Allen at the crime lab, and he told us that the tire marks found in the rear of the victim's house were made by three BF Goodrich tires and one truck tire. He said that the cast they'd made was of the truck tire, as it was the only one they could lift, and that it was made by the left front wheel. There was a car parked in front of the manager's cottage. The registration listed Margaret Becker as the owner. Legal the same. We checked it. Motor's cold. Yeah. Tires don't match. Well, nice try. Yeah. Let's go. get it. Late? Yeah. One fifteen. Mm. Probably asleep. Yeah. What's the matter? Can't you read? Sign says no vacancy. That means full up. N-O, that means no. Waking somebody at this hour? Yes, ma'am. And don't We're... ask me if I know someplace where you can stay because I don't. Good night. Just a minute, Miss Becker. How do you know my name? Police officers. What do you want around here? I run a clean place, no trouble, license all paid up, nothing wrong. We'd like Charles. What about? You know a man named Charles Stahl? What are you asking that for? We'd like to know. And I want to know why you're asking. What's this all about? Anything wrong with Charlie? That why you're out here? Yes, ma'am. What's wrong? Well, it's pretty serious. Well, go ahead, you can tell me. Well, he's dead, Miss Becker. Come in. Thank you. What's the matter, Margaret? Who are these fellows? Who are you? What are you doing here? They're policemen. Well, we don't need you. We got the whole thing cleaned up. We took care of it ourselves. Nobody sent for you. We took care of him. No, Daddy. They're here about Charles. Charlie stole? Yes, sir. That's right. Charlie here? Well, where is he? He's not here, Daddy. Something's happened to him. What? He's dead. Dead? Charlie? Yes. Well, how did it happen? An accident? No, sir. Oh. Poor Charlie Stahl. He's a nice boy. 
Too bad. I thought you was here about the fellow number eight, the loud one. What's that, sir? Man from Texas came in tonight pretty drunk. We had to take him in. Daddy put him to bed. He was pretty drunk. Heavy, too. That's what he thought you were out here for. Couldn't even get out of his car. Margaret had the pocket for him. Loud, you know, real drunk. Wore his pants inside his boots. What was it you wanted to see me about? There's a few questions we'd like to ask you. About Charles? Yes, ma'am. When was the last time you saw him? Must have been a couple of weeks ago. I saw him last week, uh, April 22nd. Went fishing down at the pier. Miss Becker, what was your relationship with Stahl? Good friends, that's all. We knew each other almost all our lives. I used to live next door to him. Went through school together. I always thought they were going to get married. Charlie was a good boy. You see much of him lately? Mm, no, not too much. I've been busy here with Daddy, and Charlie's had other things to do. Moved next door to him on December 14th. Exactly 42 years ago, come winter. You know if he had any enemies, ma'am? No, can't think of anyone who didn't like Charlie. Didn't catch anything at the pier. Bad bait. You've been home all evening, have you? Yeah. Why'd you ask that? What's well, just routine. You think I had something to do with it, that it? No, ma'am, we don't. Pinheads, that's what you need. I beg your pardon, sir? Pinhead anchovies, that's what you need for pier fishing. You yeah. say it's routine, but I don't like you coming in here, waking us up with all these questions. We've had a bad night, that drunk coming in here. We've been on the go ever since then. A few years ago, we used to be able to get a lot of pinheads. Not anymore. You want to make any accusations, you talk to Paul West. You just talk to him. Try your routine questions there. Paul West? Yeah, Charlie's neighbor. He's never liked Charlie, never. Anyone hurt Charlie, it was Paul. Well, why do you say that, Mrs. Becker? Years ago, Charlie was sweet on Paul's sister. On the way back from the beach one night, there was an accident, and Paul's sister was killed. Never forgave Charlie. Always held him to blame. Well, why was that, Miss Becker? Charlie was driving. Paul hated Charles for it. Another thing with a daughter. Paul didn't like that either. Somebody did something to Charlie. You routine the man next door. You talk to Paul West. Now get out of here. I want to get some sleep. If you got any more questions, you come back in the morning, and I'll talk to you then. You get out of here now. Yes, ma'am. But what did you mean, the thing with her, West's daughter? All right. I'll tell you that, and you've got to get out of here. Yes, ma'am. A couple of months ago, Paula came home, divorced her husband and moved home. Right away, Charlie got sweet on her. Paul didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. Did you ever say anything to Stahl about it? You bet he did. They had a lot of arguments, a lot of them. You talk to Paul West. He's the one you've got to talk to. Now, good night. We'll be back in the morning, ma'am. I'll be here. Don't worry. I'll talk to you then. I'm going fishing tomorrow. They're getting pinheads now. There's a new one, huh? West's daughter. Yeah. Better check it out. Hold it a minute. Let's take a look back at the carport here. There it is, a Texas license plate. Yeah. I'll check the motor. How about it? Radiator's warm. How about the wheels? Three Goodrich tires and a truck tire. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. Years ahead of them all. Chesterfield is years ahead of all cigarettes. Chesterfield quality is highest. Here's the proof. Recent chemical analyses give an index of good quality for the country's six leading cigarette brands. The index of good quality table, which is a ratio of high sugar to low nicotine, shows Chesterfield quality highest. Chesterfield quality highest. 15% higher than its nearest competitor. Chesterfield quality highest. 31% higher than the average of the five other leading brands. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. First with premium quality and best for you. Try Chesterfield today. Regular or king size. 
The information we'd gotten from the crime lab gave us the make of the tires that had left the imprints in back of the victim's house. Three of the tires had been identified as being of Goodrich make. The fourth was a truck tire. The car we'd found in the carport of cabin number eight had tires that matched the description. 1.26 a.m., we went back to talk to Margaret Becker. I'd like to know just what this is all about, why you're snooping around asking questions. Now, why don't you come right on out with it? Come on, you think I had something to do with Charlie being dead, isn't that it? No, ma'am, we told you before, this is just a routine investigation. We're trying to get the facts here. You still haven't told us about Charlie. Was he killed? Yes, ma'am. You think I did it? We didn't say that. Not in so many words you didn't, but that's what you meant. You found the will. That's what made you think it was me, isn't that it? You knew about the will, didn't you? Certainly I knew about it. Charles told me when he had it drawn up. Said he didn't have anybody else who wanted to see that me and the boys were taken care of. Too bad about Charlie Stall. He's a good boy. He's going to take care of Margaret. He ever say anything to you about changing the will? Yes. Told me about it the last time I saw him. Had lunch together and he told me then. Tell you what changes he was going to make? No, not right out. Didn't have to. I knew. I could tell. The way he's been acting lately, I could tell. So could I. Well, what do you mean, the way he's been acting? Was there anything wrong? Well, this thing with Paula. Told you about that. Charlie's been acting like a fool, falling all over, gushing sweet talk. Silly. Mm-hmm. Well, she had him in a trance. Her just 25 and him 55. Talk about spring and winter. Well, that was them. How'd Paula feel about this? How'd you expect her to feel? She thought that Charlie'd leave her the money, house, everything. She went right along with it, real brazen. Sir? Yeah? You said earlier that you thought your daughter and Mr. Stahl might get married. Is that right? You better did. They always been in love. Daddy, that's not true. Well, it is true. I'm your father now. You, you show a little respect. After that no-good Becca walked out on Maggie, she and Charlie started to see each other again. Went real nice. Then Paula come into town, and Charlie Stahl took up with her. Mm-hmm. Charlie Stahl made out his will so that everything went to Margaret and the kids. Then he decided he'd change it. You knew about the will, too, huh? Sure, I was a friend of Charlie's. We used to go fishing all the time, talk about things. I told him that he was wrong to even think of changing his will. Uh, I told him that he was wrong. What time did you say that car from Texas got in, ma'am? I told you, about 10.15. Well, ma'am, is it possible that somebody could have taken the car out without you knowing about it? Hey, wait a minute, Margaret. That ain't right. What? It wasn't that late. It was only about 8 when he come in. I remember because I was in bed at 8.30. I put him to bed and then come back and went to bed myself. I wanted to get some sleep kind of going fishing in the morning. You're pretty sure about the time, are you? Well, you bet. I remember because I got in bed and turned on the radio. Listened to that uh, radio program about the detective. Fell asleep before the end. Never did find out who stole the jewels and did the murder. What was your daughter doing when you came back? Just sitting there. She went out to put the car away, and I went to bed. Mm-hmm. How long was she outside? I don't know. A few minutes, I guess. Can you tell us a little closer than that? Not very well. I told you I went to sleep. I didn't hear her come in. Miss Becker, I wonder if you'd get dressed, please. We'd like to talk to you downtown. What for? Well, we have a report from our crime lab. They found some tire tracks in back of Stahl's house tonight. They were fresh tracks. They'd been made since it stopped raining. Those tracks match the car you got parked back there. And you think I drove the car over to Charlie's? Well, we'd like to talk about it. Why? Why'd I do a thing like that? Why'd I want to kill Charlie? Maybe because he was going to cut you out of his will. Looks like a pretty good motive. You two are out of your minds. All right, ma'am. We'll lay it out for you. You better do that. Making accusations you can't back up. The way the evidence looks, we got a pretty good case here. The way it looks, you took the car and you drove it over to Stahl's. He was next door playing cards, so you waited in the kitchen for him to come back. A couple of times you coughed while you were waiting. He heard you. He came over to the window to see who it was. Because it was dark, he couldn't see you. I haven't heard a story like that since I stopped reading fairy tales. He came home and you killed him. 
Then you heard Mr. West next door. He came over to see what it was. You went out the back way to the car that you'd parked in the alley, and you drove it back here. That's the way it looks to you, is it? Yes, ma'am, that's the way it looks. You figure she killed Charlie Stoll? Yes, sir. You're going to arrest Margaret? We want to talk to her about it. Oh, going to take her down to jail, huh? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm, well, I'll go and put my clothes on. No, that isn't necessary for you to go with her, sir. Well, she's not going. What? I killed Charlie Stoll. Daddy. You killed him? Yep. Got tired of how I was treating Mark. Got good and tired of him talking about how he was going to change the will. I couldn't let him do that. I just killed him and drove the car over and did it. What time was all this? Huh? What time did you go over to Stalls? Right after the fellow from Texas. I guess it was about nine. What time did you kill him? Oh, it must have been 10.30 or so. I had to wait for him to get through playing cards. I had to wait for him to come home. Why are you doing this, Daddy? Why am I doing it? I said somebody's got to take care of the kids. Somebody's got to take care of you. I'm an old man. I ain't much use to anybody. All right. Come on, Miss Becker. You want to get dressed now? She ain't the one. I did it. I killed Charlie Stahl. I already confessed. Why don't you believe me? Why don't you arrest me now? I did it. No, I'm afraid not. You got the times a little mixed up. Stahl wasn't killed at 10.30. No, he's just trying to help me, but he doesn't have to. Him and me were both here all night. Neither one of us left. I was in bed and asleep at midnight. Why do you say that? What? Why do you think Stahl was killed around midnight? I didn't say that. You said that you were home and in bed by midnight, didn't you? Just a figure of speech. I think I've talked enough to you. I don't have to say anything more. I'm going to see a lawyer about it. you got no right. I'm the one that did it. I'm the one. Why'd you kill him, Mrs. Becker? You want to tell us? Get old, nobody believes you. How about it, Miss Becker? I'll get dressed. You did kill him then, huh? Yes, I did it. It wasn't because of the money, though. you got to believe that. It wasn't because of the money. Ma'am. I loved him. Deep in my heart, I loved him. Always did. Even when we were kids. I thought he was going to marry me. Then he met Paula. You shouldn't have done it, Margaret. I loved him and he didn't want me. He wanted Paula. You know what that's like? What's that? Love somebody and them not want you. Begins to eat at you. Pretty soon you can't stand it anymore. That's why I did it. Not for the money, you understand. I just wanted him. Yeah. Just him. That's all I wanted. Not his money. You believe that? I never wanted this money. I just wanted him. You believe that? Well, it really doesn't make any difference, does it? How do you mean? You didn't get either one. The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On August 6th, trial was held in Department 89, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, all of us on Dragnet are proud to be associated with Chesterfield because, believe me, Chesterfield is years ahead of all cigarettes. You just can't beat a cigarette that was good to begin with and keeps getting better all the time. But, of course, you can't find out how much you'll like them until you try them. So that's what we'd like you to do. Get a carton of Chesterfields, regular or king size. That's all it takes. I know you'll agree that Chesterfield is best for you. Margaret Alice Becker was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. She was sentenced to life imprisonment on the California Institute for Women, Corona, California. Further investigation proved that the suspect's father, John Samuel Woodbridge, was not implicated in the murder. He was not held.
Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Vic Rodman, Helen Klebe, Ralph Moody. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. For a million laughs, tune in Chesterfield's Martin and Lewis show Tuesday on this same NBC station. And sound off for Chesterfield's. Either regular or king size, you'll find premium quality Chesterfield's much milder. Chesterfield is best for you. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet transcribed from Los Angeles. Have you tried new cork-tipped Fatima? It's the smooth smoke. Here's why. New Fatima tips of perfect cork, king size for longer filtering, and Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has the tip for your lips. Try new Fatima. See how smooth it is. Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. Sound off for Chesterfield. Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to homicide detail. You get a call from a man telling you that a woman has been badly beaten. Before you can get the name of the victim or any other information, the caller hangs up. Your job? Investigate. Here is Chesterfield's record with smokers, and important to you. No adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfield. That's the report of a doctor who has been examining a group of Chesterfield smokers for a full year and two months as a part of a program supervised by a responsible independent research laboratory. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. First with premium quality. Chesterfield. First choice of young America. And that's from a survey made in 274 colleges and universities. Try Chesterfields today. Chesterfield, regular or king size. They're much milder and best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Friday, June 10th. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Lorman. My name's Friday. 
I was on my way back from the main jail, and it was 8.10 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Frank? Yeah? Wait a minute, I want to talk to you. I'm not going anyplace. Oh. Well, I talked to Evans. I couldn't get any more out of him. The arraignment's still set for the 14th, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Can't you settle down for a minute and stop that pacing up and down? What's the matter? Something on your mind? On my leg. Oh, something wrong with it? Not a thing. Just walking. Well, I wish you could manage to stand still for a minute. I'm getting a little bilious following you around the room. You know how far it is from here to the business office? What do you mean? How far? Well, it's just across the hall. Is that what you mean? 25 feet? No, you're wrong. It's one two hundred and tenth of a mile. Well, that's good to know. It's one-sixth of a mile to the crime lab, including the stairs. An eighth of a mile to Sal's Cafe. Four trips to R&I equals a quarter of a mile. Never knew that, did you? No. Our grand total tonight so far is over six miles. We're only half through. What do you think of that, Joe? Well, what's it all prove? Well, this is a walking job we got. Well, everybody knows that, don't they? Yeah, but I'm the only one in the department who knows exactly how far we walk. That's fine. Any calls come in while I was out? No. Like to know how I do it? What's that? Done with a pedometer. Measures miles. Just fastened on your legs, see? At the end of the day, you know exactly how far you walk. Yeah. Gonna measure everything, Joe. Keep track. Gonna know exactly how far everything is. What for? Somebody might want to know. Who? I'll get it. Homicide, Friday. Yeah. Now, what's that address again? Yeah. Right. Now we got one to roll on. What do you got? Ambulance follow-up, Westlake area. Yeah. Woman's been beaten. 8.14 p.m. We left the city hall and drove to the address we'd been given. 8674 Cambria Street was a large private home that had been divided into apartments. The house was quiet and there was no sign of any disturbance. There was a woman sitting in a glider on the front porch. We went up and talked to her. Something I can do for you? Police officers, ma'am. We got a call that there'd been some sort of trouble here. What kind of trouble? A woman had been beaten. Is that right? It must be some kind of joke. Nothing like that here. You sure you got the right address? The one we were given, ma'am. You got an apartment 104? Yeah, the last one back on the left. Rockman's live there, Mr. and Mrs. We'd like to see the apartment. Go ahead. Anything happened around here, I'd know about it. I'm the landlady. Anything happened, I'd know about it. Go ahead. You won't find anything. Thank you very much, ma'am. Here it is. I'll get it. Better try the door, huh? Yeah. Nobody here. Looks like they had a party, huh? I'll check the back. No? No one out there? Coffee on the table's cold. You find anything? Where's that door go, ma'am? Bedroom. Joe, this girl on the bed. No. Yeah, I really worked her over, huh? How about it? See if I can find her pulse here. Yeah, she's still alive. Uh, what is it? Something happened to Hazel? Joe? It's pretty bad. Both eyes black, bleeding. Is this Mrs. Rockman here? Yeah, it's Hazel. What's wrong? Where's her husband? I don't know. When'd you see him last? Well, about five minutes ago. Where was that? On the front porch. He just walked out. The ambulance crew arrived and immediately removed the victim to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital for emergency treatment. We got in touch with Officer Ed Barrett of the hospital detail and asked him to try to get a statement from the victim if she regained consciousness. 
We locked the door to the Rockman apartment to preserve any physical evidence we might need, and then we went down and talked to the landlady, Mrs. Ruth Baker. We found her on the front porch. We asked her what she knew about what had happened. I sure wish I could tell you more. How about Hazel? Is she going to be all right? We don't know yet, Miss Baker. She's pretty badly beaten. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you want from me? Some questions we'd like to ask, ma'am. About what? I've told you what I know. Do you know where Mrs. Rockman's husband was going? No, I don't. I don't much care either. Did you see anything at all when he went out? Not a word. Just walked out in a sort of daze, like a trance sort of. He didn't say anything at all to you? I just got through telling you that he didn't. Yes, ma'am. Mr. and Ms. Rockman fight often, would you know? No, not any more than any married couple. Ms. Baker. Yeah? wonder if you can give us a description of Mr. Rockman. Description? Yes, ma'am. Tell us what he looks like. You figure he did that to Hazel, huh? That's what we want to talk to him about. What kind of description do you want? About how tall is he? About as tall as he is? That'd be 5'10", huh? If that's what you are. How much would you say he weighed? Wouldn't even make a guess. I don't notice things like that. Yes, ma'am, but would you say he was medium build or heavy? I'd say medium. Not too heavy, not too skinny. Medium. What color is his hair? Black. How about his eyes? Brown. Real dark brown. He wear glasses? No. Was he clean shaven? What do you mean? Well, do you have a mustache? No, he had one a while ago. He tried to grow one, but Hazel made him take it off. It never grew real well. Little scraggly thing. What was he wearing when you saw him last? Shirt and pants. Could you tell us what color the shirt was? No, and I can't tell you what color the pants were either. It's dark out here. I didn't pay much attention when he left. Just thought he didn't feel well. Sick from the party. All right, Miss Baker. May I use your phone? Sure. Help yourself. It's in the living room, right inside the door to your left. You can't miss it. All right, ma'am. Thanks. I'll call this engine. Right. No, Miss Baker. Yeah? Does Mr. Rockman drink much? Why do you ask that? Well, I wonder if there might be some bar in the neighborhood that he might have gone to, maybe. No, he doesn't drink much at all. Once in a while, he and Hazel have a glass of wine before dinner. You know, sharpen the appetite, just a glass of wine before dinner. Mm-hmm. And you haven't any idea where he might have gone? Not the slightest. Does he have any relatives in the city? I can't answer that. You mean you don't know? Must have some people someplace. Most of us do. But I'm not the kind of person who pries into the private lives of my tenants. They pay their rent, no loud parties, and I don't bother them. Now, about this party tonight? Yeah, what about it? Was there any trouble? Not that I knew about. You didn't hear anything? Any loud talking? Any arguments, maybe? Nope, I wasn't at the party. Wasn't invited. Hazel gave it for her Tony friends. Gonna play bridge. I wasn't there. Yes, ma'am. Could you tell us who was there? Never been able to get the hang of the game. Don't like cards. Chinese checkers, that's my game. Never could understand bridge, so I wasn't invited. Well, can't you give us a list of the people who were there? I suppose. Why do you need it? We'd like to talk to them. Well, I guess it'd be all right to give them to you. How's Hazel? You heard yet? No, ma'am. Sure a terrible thing. Not that maybe she didn't deserve it, but it's sure terrible. Why do you say that, Miss Baker? What do you mean, why do I say it? I say it because it's true. No other reason to say something. Yes, ma'am, but what do you mean? Just that it was bound to happen. Somebody was bound to haul off and slap her mouth shut one of these days, the way she talked. Ma'am? 
Accusing. Always accusing. Thought everybody in the world was after her. Always tell me that she knew about me, that I wasn't fooling anybody. The words she'd use. And they're supposed to be so Tony. Well, did she have any enemies around her? Anyone to make her think that, would you know? Well, she didn't have any write-out enemies. There were several people who didn't like her. They thought she was too snooty for them. I call the office, Joe. They're putting out a broadcast. Did you check him? Yeah, nothing on him. Mm-hmm. Hope it's all right, ma'am. I left your number in case they want to reach us. Sure, it's all right. Can you give us the names of the people who were at the party tonight, ma'am? Yeah, there was Lily Davis, the Harrises, and there was some fellow with Lily that I never saw before. You know where you can get in touch with him, do you? Well, the Harrises live up in 203, and Lily has an apartment 105 right across from the Rockmans. She ought to be able to tell you something. Don't know if it's going to be the truth, but she'll think of something to tell you. Yes, ma'am. Is she a good friend of Mrs. Rockman's, do you know? Oh, you bet. They're thick as thieves. Always having little lunches by themselves, talking secrets, buzzing around. Thieves. Myself, I never took to Lily. I always thought she was kind of wild. Divorcee, you know. All right, Miss Baker, thank you very much. We'll be in 105 if there are any calls. Appreciate it if you'd let us know if Mr. Rockman comes in. Don't mention to him that we're here. Mm-hmm. All right. That was 105, you said? Yeah. Better talk to this Davis woman, huh? Yeah, maybe she can tell us where Rockman is. Yeah. 105, here it is. Yes? Miss Davis? Yes. Is there something I can do for you? Yes, ma'am. We're police officers. What is it you want with me? We'd like to talk to you, ma'am. Oh, well, come in. Thank you. I wonder if it'd be all right if we left the door open. I suppose so. Any special reason? Well, we'd like to keep an eye on the apartment across the hall. Well, what's it about? We understand that you know the Rockmans pretty well. I suppose so. Why? You have any idea where Mr. Rockman might be? No, I don't. Isn't he across the hall? No, ma'am, he isn't. Well, then I don't know where he is. Have you talked to Hazel? No, ma'am. Well, why don't you ask her? She should know. Well, we were wondering if you could help us out. No, last I saw of him was when he left their place. Uh-huh. Say, I wonder if you'd mind if I went ahead with what I was doing. Ma'am? <laughs> Probably seems silly to you, but it's a hobby of mine. Wire sculpture. Silly, but it gives me a chance to relax. Yes, ma'am. Well, you go right ahead. I don't think I got your names. Well, my name's Friday. This is my partner, Frank Smith. How do you do, Mr. Smith? How do you Smith? do, ma'am? Mr. Friday. Well, what's all this about? Herman done something wrong? No, it's just a routine investigation, Miss Davis. Oh, mm-hmm. We understand that you were at their place tonight, a party, huh? Well, yes. Hazel was going to have a couple of tables of bridge. Anything unusual happen while you were there? No, nothing that you'd call really unusual. Who was there, ma'am? Oh, well, myself, the Harrises. They live upstairs, and Tom Reeves. Another couple were coming over after dinner, but they called and said they couldn't make it. It was just as well. None of us felt much like playing. Why was that? Well, Hazel wasn't feeling very well. She and Herman had a little argument. You know how it is, kind of uncomfortable. Excuse me. Hello? Yes. Oh, yes, Tom. No. Well, you've got to understand she wasn't feeling too well. Mm-hmm. Just one of those things. Yeah. What? No, I've got a meeting that I want to go to tomorrow night. Modern art, yes. At a place down on Melrose. Well, sure, if you if you want to. Mm-hmm. All right. You want to pick me up about seven? Right. Okay. See you then. Bye. Excuse me, that was Tom. He's a nice boy. I just met him tonight. The Rockmans set it up. Mm-hmm. What was this argument that the Rockmans had? Do you know what that was about? Well, that was nothing, just a little thing. 
Hazel hadn't been feeling well lately. It's awfully easy to set her off. I guess sometimes Herman doesn't realize it. Yes, ma'am, but what caused it tonight? Well, you see, Hazel's been thinking that there was somebody been following her, spying on her. She told Herman about it tonight. That made him a little angry. And, well, then at dinner we just sat down. Mrs. Harris said that she'd seen a picture of the dress that Hazel had on in the morning paper. Well, Hazel didn't understand. I guess she thought that Mrs. Harris was being nasty about it. She got up and left the table, went into the bedroom. Yes, ma'am. Herman got up and went in after her. Came out and said that she wasn't feeling well. It kind of threw a damper on the evening, so when the other couple called and said that they wouldn't be able to make it, we all decided to call it quits. Mm-hmm. Was there any reason for Mrs. Rockman to feel that there was somebody spying on her? Oh, no, Mr. Friday. It was just one of those things. She'd go along fine, feel good, and then she'd wake up in the morning and start to think about things, and she'd get depressed. Well, when she's like that, there isn't anything that can lift her out of it. We used to talk about it. I'd try to help her. Same thing happened to me, I know. It's just one of those things. Yes, ma'am. Maybe if they'd had children, it'd be different, but lately she hasn't been feeling well, and she and Herman haven't been getting along. He just didn't seem to understand. She'd get angry, and he'd work late, and the more he worked late and stayed away from home, the more she'd fret and get angry. It was just a vicious circle. Nothing anyone can do about it. It'll pass with time. Mm-hmm. When Rockman went in to see his wife, did they argue? Well, they had a few words, a little loud, nothing serious. Then he came out and said that everything was all right. Well, ma'am, did Rockman ever get violent toward his wife, do you know? What do you mean, violent? He ever hit her? No, I don't think so. A couple of times when I was over there, he looked like he might be thinking of it, but I never saw it. I think if he ever did hit her, Hazel would have told me. We were very close, as I said. I tried to help her. Mm-hmm. Just a few loud words, that's all I ever knew about. Anyway, after Herman came out of the bedroom, we all decided to leave. This fellow, Tom, he wanted to go on, you know, out someplace, but I was a little tired, and I'd just met him tonight, so I begged off and came home. Yes, ma'am. Can't you tell me what this is all about? Miss Davis? Hello, Mrs. Baker. Something you want? I want to see the police. Mr. Smith, your office called, said you were to call this number right away. Here's the number they gave me. They said you'd know I wrote it down. Thank you, ma'am. You want to call, Joe? Yeah. What if I use your phone, Miss Davis? Sure, help yourself. Thank you. Isn't this the most awful thing you've heard in all your life? What? What about Herman? What he did? Terrible. They ought to send him away for a long time. A good long time. Dr. Hall, please. What are you talking about? All the ambulances, the police, never had a thing like this happen before. All the excitement and what Herman did, just terrible. That's all terrible. Hey, Miss Baker, would you wait just a minute, please? Well, somebody tell me what this is all Hello, about. Hello, Doc Hall, this is Joe Friday. Yeah. Now we're here now. She is. You're sure about that, are you? Yeah, well, he's up, right. Now we'll call him right out. Yes, it does. Right. Bye. It's Georgia Street. Yeah. Ms. Rockman died. Something else. What? She wasn't beaten. She was shot to death. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. Years ahead of them all. Chesterfield is years ahead of all cigarettes. Chesterfield quality is highest. Here's the proof. Recent chemical analyses give an index of good quality for the country's six leading cigarette brands. The index of good quality table, which is a ratio of high sugar to low nicotine, shows Chesterfield quality highest. 
Chesterfield quality highest. 15% higher than its nearest competitor. Chesterfield quality highest. 31% higher than the average of the five other leading brands. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Try Chesterfield today, regular or king size. Nine ten p.m. We called the crime lab and Ray Pinker and a crew were sent out to check the physical evidence at the scene. We contacted Ed Barrett at the hospital, but he said the woman had not regained consciousness. Frank and I went upstairs to talk with Mr. and Mrs. Harris. They gave us substantially the same story we'd gotten from Lily Davis. They agreed that when Rockman went into the bedroom to see his wife, they'd heard loud voices but nothing else. They stated positively that as far as they knew, there'd been no shot fired while they were in the Rockman apartment. 9.17 p.m. We checked with the other people in the apartment building. None of them could report having heard a shot. From them, we got the same story of Mrs. Rockman's actions. Some of the neighbors said that they didn't get along with her. Others seemed to understand her feelings. 9.22 p.m., we checked back with Ray Pinker and the crew from the crime lab. We didn't spend a lot of time here, Ray. The husband looked good for it. We were trying to round him up. Shooting was a real surprise, huh? Looked like a beating to us. We couldn't tell. The boys from Georgia Street got her out of here right away. Yeah. Did you come up with anything, Ray? Yeah, a couple things. How you fellas got it figured? Well, talking to the neighbors, looks like the husband does. Talk to him? No, he walked right out after it happened. Got out a broadcast on him. Nothing's turned up yet, though. Mm-hmm. How's it look to you, Ray? Well, I'm not sure I can go along with you guys and the husband. Yeah. I talked with Doc Hall. We aren't going to be able to know for sure till they post the body. Woman was slapped around, we know that. Yeah, we saw her. It looked pretty brutal to us. You mean the black eyes? Yeah. From what Doc Hall says, that didn't come from beating. He says the bullet did it. Was he pretty sure about it? Looks like it. Autopsy will prove it. Where'd you find the gun? Under the bed. Over here, right side. Mm-hmm. Indentation on the floor here. Evidently fell from her hand, bounced back under the bed. Any prints on it? Lifted three clean ones. You been able to make them? Lifted some from the dressing table over there. Perfume bottles, mirror. Looks like they might belong to the dead woman. Check them for sure later. And you figure maybe she did herself then, huh? Way it's beginning to shape up. Well, how about the shot, Ray? Nobody we've talked to heard it. Here's the explanation for that. This pillow here. See the bullet hole here? Burn? Yeah. Doc Hall says she was shot in the back of the right ear. She must have held the gun in the pillow. That muffled the sound. What noise there was wouldn't be heard very far. Well, how can you be sure it was suicide, Ray? Just an idea now. We roll the dead woman's prints, run a blotter test on her, see if she fired the gun. Check for nitrate, we'll know for sure. Well, how long will that take? I'll be finished in an hour or so. I'll let you know then. From where I sit, though, it looks like she did it herself. Yeah. I still don't understand about the black eyes, though. Way I get it, the bullet entered just behind the right ear. Passed behind the eyes. I've seen it a couple times before. Yeah, but Doc Hall said that she'd been slapped a couple of times, Ray. Yeah. Said he found a couple of bruises on her cheeks. Not enough to do any damage, though. Sure not enough to kill her. Mr. Friday? Mr. Friday? Yes, ma'am. Can you come right over to my place? Herman's on the phone. What's that? Mr. Rockman. He called to find out how Hazel was. All right. Phone's right there. Thank you. Hello? 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 Well, he's not there now. What'd he say? Well, he asked me if I knew how Hazel was. I told him that she was dead, and then I asked him where he was. Did he tell you? No. He just said for me to tell people that he was sorry he did it, for me to tell them that, that he didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. He said he didn't mean to kill Hazel. Well, the way it looks, he didn't do it. Then you better find him right away. Ma'am? He thinks he did, and he's going to kill himself. We talked to the landlady, Ruth Baker, but she was unable to tell us where Herman Rockman was employed. Lily Davis told us that he was a car salesman employed at a lot in the south end of town. 
We asked Miss Davis to stay by our phone in the event that Rockman called back and to let us know immediately if he did. We found an address book in the desk in the living room of the apartment, and we began to call Rockman's friends and relatives. None of them had seen him or could tell us where he worked. 9.45 p.m. It had been 20 minutes since the husband of the dead woman had called and said that he was going to kill himself. At 9.46 p.m., we contacted a brother-in-law of the dead woman, and he told us that as far as he knew, Rockman had been employed by the Bateman Auto Agency in Gardena. We got the number from information, and I put in the call. Hello, is this the Bateman Auto Agency? Well, this is Sergeant Joe Friday, Los Angeles Police Department. Yes, sir. Do you have a Herman Rockman working for you? Yes, sir, that's right. R-O-C-K-M... Uh-huh. I see. When was that? Yeah. You any idea where he's working now? Uh-huh. Yes, sir, I understand. Yeah, well, have you got the number? Fine, yeah. Would you know if they're open this time of night? I see. Okay, all right, sure, I'll hold on. How about it? Says Rockman did work for him. He hasn't seen him in a couple... Of... Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's 03, right? Yes, sir. Thanks very much. Says he's heard Rockman's working for a company out on Washington Boulevard now. Huh. Left him a couple of weeks ago. Hello. Do you have a Herman Rockman working there? Hello. Hello. Somebody answered. As soon as I asked about Rockman, he hung up. Think it was him? There's no way of telling. We better check on it quick. You got the address? Yeah, it ought to take us about five minutes to get there. Let's go. We still got a chance. p.m. We left the apartment and we drove out Westlake Avenue and turned down to Washington Boulevard. We traveled Code 3, but because of the possibility of alarming Rockman, we turned off the sirens six blocks from the address of the used car lot. 9.54 p.m. We got to the place. The lot was dark. At the rear and back of a line of cars, we could see a small shack. I hope he's here. Yeah. No lights on. Door's locked. Let's try the side. There's a window around there. Right. Can you see anything? No, the window's dirty. Got your flashlight? Yeah, here you go. Give me it. How about it? He's in there. Looks like he's out. Come on. Let's hit it. Right. Full of gas. Kill your flashlight. Right. I'll get him out of here. You want to get that heater? Right. The window's stuck. Break it. How about it? He's still alive. Fresh air should bring him around. Yeah. Rockman. Rockman. Come on, Rockman. You're all right. Sit up. Why'd you do it? Why'd you stop me? No reason for you to kill yourself. I got a reason. I killed Hazel. I didn't mean to. I loved him more than anything. I I didn't mean it. I didn't know I hit her that hard. Settle down. Settle down. You didn't kill her, Rockman. Nobody asked you to come down here. I called you to take care of her. I, I knew it was too late. I killed her. She's dead and it's my fault. Why'd you come here? Why'd you stop me? All right, now take it easy, will you, Rockman? Straighten yourself out here. You didn't kill your wife, Rockman. You understand? What? We don't think you killed her. We think she did it herself. Huh? Oh. Well, she wasn't well. She was sick. She, She didn't know what she was doing. She did the wrong thing, didn't she? Her way wasn't right. I loved her, you know, very much. Yes, sir, we understand. Doesn't really make any difference. You stopped me. No difference. Sir? Doesn't make any difference that you stopped me. I loved her. No difference at all. How's that? I died with her. 
story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On June 15th, an inquest was held in the coroner's office in and for the county of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that inquest. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, next Sunday, June 21st, is Father's Day. Your neighborhood dealer has the special Chesterfield Father's Day carton on sale right now. So remember the guy who never forgets you. Don't give him just any cigarette. Give him premium quality Chesterfields, regular or king size. They're best for him. At the coroner's inquest, it was decided that the wound that killed Hazel Eileen Rockman was self-inflicted. The death was listed as a suicide. Her husband, Herman George Rockman, was not held. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, June Whitley, Lillian Byatt. Script by John Robinson, Ben Alexander. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. For a million laughs, tune in Chesterfield's Martin and Lewis show, Tuesday on this same NBC station. And sound off for Chesterfields. Either regular or king size, you'll find premium quality Chesterfields much milder. Chesterfield is best for you. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet transcribed from Los Angeles. Have you tried new cork-tipped Fatima? It's the smooth smoke. Here's why. New Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for longer filtering and Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has the tip for your lips. Try new Fatima. See how smooth it is. Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. <laughs> Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.